take your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 1. I've already prayed for ears to be listeners and for me to be a teacher. And so now by the power of the Holy Spirit, let's study his word. I'm going to read to you verses 1 through 12, which we've taken three weeks to study. And it's Peter talking about all that God has done, all who God is, all what God has accomplished. Now listen, students, because of all that God has done and all of who God is, Peter now jumps into some deeper waters in verse 13, and he starts out by saying, therefore, it's the conclusion. It's the application. It's, listen, information that now must lead to transformation. See, a lot of people study the Bible to understand it for trivial pursuit reasons, jeopardy-type questions, you know, who is the shortest man in the Bible? Nehemiah. It's a joke. You guys can laugh. Nehemiah. Nehemiah. He's Nehemiah. Or there's Bildad, the shoe height. Bildad, the shoe height. He's as high as a shoe. Bildad, the shoe. There's people study the Bible for the wrong reasons. Are you, should I rewind that? Are you guys okay? Did you guys not get your Christmas presents you wanted? Need some anointing? These are funny jokes. They're going to be even funny in the second service. Check this out. Why do you study the Bible? Why do you get up in the morning? Why do you read? Why are you here? It's not just to gather information, funny jokes, Nehi, Nehi, Maya, Bildad, the shoe height, all these things. It's in order that we would get transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we would become different men and different women, that when the world looks not just at the Bible, which they readily reject, not oh, the Bible, and they throw it away. Have you ever quoted Bible verses to somebody? Like, what are you, t- I don't care about the Bible. And so Paul says of you and me that we are living epistles on display for men and women. A living epistle means that we're a, a letter itself. Epistle means letter. And we're alive. And so when people, men and women, see you, listen, they can determine, they can discern. Okay, okay, okay. That's... That's that's just too legit to quit. There's no argument there. And so as we read from Peter, I don't know if you uh, like testimonies when a person, a man or woman gives their testimony, but when you hear about somebody who's been lost and is now found, who's been incarcerated and has now been set free and who's been bad and is now good, and they start to tell you what to do. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just give them my ear. I'm like, okay, this person knows what they're talking about. They've been beat up. This is Peter. And so when Peter tells you and me what to do and what not to do and how to think, Okay, Peter, of all people, dare I say, has that pedigree, has that authority, and has that ability to tell us what we need to know in order that we could live the lives we're supposed to live. So verses 1 through 12, all that God already has done. Because you can't really get to what you're supposed to do rightfully unless you fully understand what God has done thoroughly. Once you really understand what God has done, then you can go to response, transformation, and live your life accordingly. If you do it any other way, it's just going to be religion. It's just going to be you flexing your muscles and doing your thing. But when you respond to love from above, a true transformed heart, okay? Paul would say it this way. He would say, the love of Christ compels us. And I don't know if you need any compelling to finish your race, to do what's right, to abstain from what's wrong, to persevere. I do. And you know what the best motivation for me is? The love of Christ. The love of Christ. So let me read to you 1 Peter 1 through 12 quickly. Peter begins, and we studied this for three weeks in a row. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father and sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace be multiplied. Quick question, is that grace and peace being multiplied in your life right now? If not, go back to the three weeks ago when we started First Peter and talk about that. Grace and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 3, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead 
to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice. (sighs) Though now, 2020, for a little while, If need be, you've been grieved by various trials. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Peter's so fired up, verse 10, of this salvation, the one we're rejoicing of this morning. The prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. They were searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ, when he testified be, or who was in them, was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow to them. Listen. It was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. Stop right there. Eyes up here. Peter's so fired up. He sees things differently than you and I see them. He sees things from the beginning of Christ's arrival and the prophet's predictions and the the prophecies that were fulfilled by Christ. And now he speaks to the readers who maybe at that time were up against the ropes. You guys understand that in this day, his audience is suffering, would suffer, and was about to suffer more than we'll ever understand. You think it's been bad in 2020? Yesterday, I was driving home. I was at the office studying for a little bit, and I was on my way home. I'd been at home all day Christmas and and it was yesterday, the day after Christmas, I can't remember, the day after Christmas, I was at home all day just for, you know, just really just kind of like, I, I, I think I had the same outfit on for like 48 hours straight, you know, pajamas and just, you know, I just, true confessions, it's okay. And, and when I was driving home, I was just, I was kind of stunned for a minute. I was driving home, I was like, man, 2020 has been a trip. It has been a real trip. And the word that comes to my mind is fantastic, because it's kind of a confusing word. Like, what's that mean? It's just been so fantastic, like not in an awesome way, but just like, and I kind of was stunned, but I was also just a little numb. And I don't know how you're processing this, but as a, as a pastor and as a husband and as a father, I, I lead many things and I lead many people. And so my peer view, my scope, my vision, my, 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 my responsibility forces me to process the pressures at a different level. I process it in, in my home and with my wife and with my kids and with the eight other staff members and their families at South Beach Church. And then I process it with the groups of South Beach, and not just here, this church, but I have a map in my office of Oregon that has the county lines and the state lines and, and the city lines, and I, I, I know where the churches are, and, and there's pressure. And here's what I thought that went through my mind yesterday as I was driving home. I was like, Lord, this is crazy. It's so crazy. And then I just decided to swallow it. I accepted it. I accepted it in faith by saying, Lord, this is your will. And had this not happened, have you gone down memory lane and considered what 2020 would have been like had this happened? Have you you gone there before and said, what what, what would that even been like? Can you imagine if nothing would have stopped the forward momentum in our journey and in what we were doing, all of our plans? It began in March, March 8th, and then all the things went off. We began to immediately suffer the loss. The first thing was Good Friday. Good Friday was in April, and we, oh, we can't do the Good Friday service. Okay, let's do video, and, and then Easter, we were negotiating with citizens and saints. They were on the books. We had hotel reservations. It was going to be the biggest Easter celebration ever, man, and we had, I remember Zach Boland, the lead singer of Citizens and Saints, was like, hey, can we still do it? I'm like, no, we can't do anything, and so Easter went away, and then if you were signed up to go to Israel, 2020. We were leaving May 16th. Me and my son, Noah, we, we were signed up. Passports, tickets ready to go, and, and we had to let that go. And then the 4th of July celebrations and the Hope in the Park celebrations, and, and then summer. Did you guys remember summer? Anybody have any pictures of summer? Post a picture online of summer, because I don't even know if it happened, you know. We did a few things in summer just to make sure that we knew it happened, and summer was different. And, and, then, and then Thanksgiving, the day before Thanksgiving meal and fall and, and all the things, and Family camp got canceled and, and everything got canceled. And then Christmas came around and, 
and Christmas caroling. We used to go in Avamere and, at, you know, South Shore. We used to go all over the place and up. Can't do any of that. And flash mob. Remember the flash mob? That was so cool, man. We would have all been arrested for the flash mob, you know. Like, and then Christmas Eve. And I don't know about you, but I just, I have to sit back and say, Lord. I mean, I, I, if there was a complaint box, and there's not, you know, for 2020, a, a spiritual complaint box, like just like, Lord, I don't know if I, you know, I'm kind of sad. And at the same time, I say, Lord, this is where we're at. This is it. This is it. It's time to man up. It's time to engage. It's time to step in. It's not time to cast off restraint. And there are two things that Christians are prone to do when tested by difficulties. They can either cast off restraint and get carnal. Well, if it's going to be this way, I'm just going to go ahead and do some weird stuff. (laughs) I'm just going to go down the weird path. And a Christian can either go into one ditch of carnality or they can actually drift into another ditch of being crazy. They can just become too hyper in their Christianity. Instead of becoming what Peter's going to say to us in verse 13, be sober. He's not talking in direct context to alcohol, which we would make that connection immediately. He's saying, be sober-minded, be calm, collective, not crazy, not that Christian that's just, man, everything's a conspiracy and everything's this and everything's, or or the carnal Christian who just disengages completely says, no, be sober-minded. But before he says that, look at verse 13. He says, therefore, because of all the things we have in Christ, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And if you call upon the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear or respect or soberness, knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you who through him believe in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Stop right there and eyes up here. This is such a good portion of scripture. I was going to say a good message or a good sermon, but that's yet to be told. This is such a good portion of scripture to end 2020 on. Because I'm all about 2021. I'm fired up, man. Body, mind, spirit. Enough is enough. Maybe you're sick and tired of what's going on outside around you, but you really have no control over that. Maybe you should be sick and tired of what's going on in your mind and in your body and in your life and around you. And it's time to take introspection and information and then see it result in transformation. And as Peter says here, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. In other words, get your head in the game. You ever seen a basketball team or a football team and maybe a movie or a portrayal and one of the players is just not, not running the right routes or not doing their job offensively or defensively and a coach or a teammate would come to that player and say, get your head in the game. Get your mind in the game. Gird up the loins of your mind. Most of you who've been around Bible teaching understand what this means. Some don't, so I'll just quickly go over it. To gird up your loins in those days meant that a man who would wear a robe that was the general attire, if he was going to gird up his loins in order to then be in combat mode or athletic mode or competition mode or defense mode, he would reach underneath his robe and he would pull up the robe, exposing his knees and then putting on a adult diaper is what it would look like. And he would tuck it into his robe, and then he would take his sash and tie it around tighter, so that way his knees were exposed, and now he could go into a full-depth squat, and he could pick boulders up and throw them at lions, and he could duck and roll and run and do all kinds of stuff that you can't do when your loins aren't girded. And so now Peter says, gird up the loins of your mind. How's your mind? Is your mind engaged in battle? Is your mind, I just want to make sure you guys understand this. Everything 
that we process in our life begins in our minds. What we see, what we think, what we hear, what we believe. There's been books written entitled A Battle of the Mind, spiritual books. Mind, gird up the loins of your mind. And what he's saying is this, get rid of all the extra things that might entrap you or tangle you up or cause snares and pitfalls. What, what is it in your life, Christian, that needs to be cut away, that needs to be dealt with, that needs to be taken seriously? Why? Because you're in combat mode. Guys, this, this word mind, and I, I got to talk just a little bit about the mind. I don't, I don't know enough, but about the mind to speak too much, but I know enough. Let's just do a little audience participation. Raise your hands if you have a mind. Okay. Wives are elbowing their husband, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Recently, in, in maybe the last two decades, a term has come into our purview, which is a little more um, popular and understood than it was two decades ago, and it's the word mental illness. We talk about mental illness all the time, and, and we even use words such as the spectrum. You might say some, oh, he's on the spectrum. And let me just make sure we all understand this. There is a spectrum of mental illness where some mental illness, some, some problems of the mind, chemically imbalanced and trauma, and there's all kinds of disorders. There's anxiety disorders, and there's eating disorders. There's personality disorders. There's trauma disorders, all kinds of disorders. And we have all these you know, doctors and stuff, and all that's it's, it's accurate. It's true. And yet we look at people who are on the spectrum, and if you're honest, okay, the spectrum's pretty big, and we're all on there somewhere. Okay, we all have a mind. Anybody have a perfect mind? Anybody in here have a perfect mind where you're just perfectly balanced, you're perfectly understood, you've never, you know, no brain damage, nothing like that, you just meant everything's going good. Anybody? Okay, so here's the deal. Some are on the spectrum, and it's a little more obvious than others, and it's a battle of the mind. Some, though, like you and me, maybe, you're on there too. And so Peter addresses this and says, it starts in your mind. The Proverbs chapter four would say, guard your heart. Same word in the Hebrew. Guard your heart for out of your heart flow all of the issues of life. Your mind. And so with that in mind, I want us to approach 2021 asking yourself, what are you doing about the things in your mind? Did you know that the world is against you right now? The academic, social, political regimes that run the entire world are attacking your mind. And if you fill your mind with academia from universities and from reviews and from the internet, and if you find social media influencers and political leaders in your mind, careful, your mind, gird up the loins of your mind. Peter's going to give us six reasons why to make our minds a place that obey Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And if you've ever seen somebody lose their mind or become fragile in their mind, I've been doing this long enough, man. It's just, it's heartbreaking. And it's confusing. So what? And maybe on a different level, not where it's like schizophrenia or, or something in those realms, but you've seen a Christian just veer into stupidity. What are you thinking, man? What were you doing, man? What was going on in your mind, man? I've asked those questions. To others, I've also had those questions asked to me. I'm honest. What were you thinking, Luke? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I know exactly what I was thinking. And so Peter here said, no, 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 no. Tighten it up. Get your head in the game. Why? Because verse 1 through 12. Because all this has already happened. Therefore, it's a strong therefore. And I'll just reverse engineer it for you. First of all, he says, because the angels, they want to look into this. This is what the angels are concerned about. You guys know it. Second of all, he says, because the prophets foretold. The prophets, can you imagine the prophets right now? They got prophecies. They desired to know everything about it. They see you and me living it out. They're like, what? They get to actually live in those days we prophesied about? And here you and me are. Just idiots. Brain dead, just fall, running around, squirrel, whoa, whoa, whoa. And the angels and the prophets would look down at us and say, what are they doing, Jesus? What are they doing? Losing their minds on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and political distractions and divisions. And what are they doing? And so Peter says, yeah, 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 yeah. 
I know. Gird up your mind. Tighten it up. Get your head in the game. What about the trials I'm going through? They're so, he tells us that. The trials are being used to purify your faith. It's a good thing. What about your salvation? You're kept by the power of God. He goes through so many things that he can then yell at us. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. You know, the very first time ever this word mind is used in the New Testament, there's a couple different words for mind. This word, the first time it's used is by Jesus Christ himself. And it's at the end of Matthew. It's in Matthew 22, verse 37. You can write it down a little bit. I'll just, it's, it's a verse you all know. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest command in the whole world? And Jesus said, to love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Uh, I, we could just, oh, man. We're in verse 13 still. You can stay here all day. What's the greatest commandment? You think Jesus was mess, messing around writing Hallmark cards? Using extra flowery words. Love the Lord your God. He keeps talking with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Maybe this is just for me in the end of 2020. Because my mind is plagued by information, by distractions, by things in this world that are not going to help me run my race. They're not. They're going to make me come in last. And Peter says, no, no, tighten it up. Jesus says, you want to you walk with me? Love me. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. Paul says in the book of Colossians chapter 3, he says, if you then were raised with Christ, set your mind on things above. If you're raised in Christ, set your mind on things above. Paul would also say in 2 Corinthians 10, write it down, verses 1 through 6, talking about spiritual warfare. The weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, taking captive every thought to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Your mind needs to be brought into subjection to the things of God. I said that last week. When your mind wanders, then you go get it. Bring it back. And put it into captivity to the obedience of Jesus Christ. First, 2 Corinthians 10. See, we have three enemies of the world. The world and its systems are anti-God, anti-Christ. Well, what's the world say? How many guys, don't raise your hand, how many guys search the internet to see what the internet says about things? It's what we all do, okay? Well, let's just go see. Where do you get your news? You know, I'm gonna go to Facebook, see what everyone's talking about. The world and its systems and values are anti-God, anti-Christ. Tighten it up. Not just the world, but the devil. Did you know the devil will plague your mind. He'll come after you. He'll pervert you. Romans chapter 12. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Not being conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your This is so practical. How many of you guys want a practical message? Like you want to be able to leave here? Like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Luke, Luke said a bunch of stuff. I'm not sure. You seem pretty mad, but I'm not sure what's going on, you know. Praying for him. Praying for him. I believe the practicalities, okay, will be applicated. Is that, that's not the word. Applied. Applicated? Is that a word? Look it up. It's early. The Holy Spirit will show you and show me what it looks like to gird up your mind. It's not going to be the same. How many of you guys want to not do anything different in 2021 and have a completely different result? 
Anybody not want to change anything? I don't want to change anything, but I want to be slimmer, leaner, stronger, richer, smarter, more spiritual, and more beautiful. But I want to do nothing different. There's more, you know. No, it's impossible. I'm just going to go through these six things. We'll see how it goes. This isn't, this isn't time to mess around, though, as a Christian. This is not time to mess around. Here's the cool thing. All of our freedoms and privileges and, and things that we've had given to us that, that were so awesome for so long, okay, they're all in question now. If you are going to get radical ever for Christ, now would be the time. Because all these other things around you, these little comfort things, they've already been taken away. It wasn't even your, your, your good decision in your life. Reminds me of when an eagle has an eaglet, true story, nationalgeographic.com, check it out. And when that eaglet is ready to get out the nest, the mama eagle will take all of the stuffing out of the nest. And so it just sticks. And pretty soon that eaglet's like, hey, what gives? This place stinks. And, it be, and the, eagle be, the eaglet begins to develop this kind of like, hmm, this place wasn't as cool as it used to be. And then, true story, the eagle mama will come over to that eaglet and with her big old wing will scoop up her little guy or gal and throw him out of the nest. And this eaglet can't fly yet. You know, falling to its death. And the eagle mom will fly under with her wings spread out and catch that eaglet and put it back in the nest. They'll go through some family counseling. (laughs) And they'll repeat the process. Sometimes eight times this eaglet will be tossed out before the eaglet finally realizes, whoa, look at this, woo! And a whole entire new experience is received through transformation. (sighs) Ah. May the Lord, in all of our flying through and flapping and quacking, feathers flying, may the Lord teach us to spread out our wings in the midst of our chaos. Peter wrote this to people who he couldn't just say, oh, by the way, they're going to have a vaccine and they won't kill you. He didn't say that. He said, no, they're, they're, they're going to kill you. They're straight up. They're, you're all going to die. You're all going to die savage deaths. Therefore... Gird up the loins of your mind. What? Isn't there a lawyer I can talk to? No. We have an advocate with the Father, our lawyer, the great high priest. We're going to die. Don't live in fear of death. Don't live as your number one goal being your health. And gird up the loins of your mind. And so wouldn't it be awesome if 2021, you said, okay, okay, okay. That's why I was so okay yesterday driving home. I was like, Lord, and this stinks. This stinks. Just like the eagle, but it's okay because God knows what he's doing. I would have lost hope had I not believed I'd see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Verse 13, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober, literally speaking, balanced. Don't go. Don't be crazy or carnal and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Stop right there, eyes up here. Write this down. Watch the sermon later. Come back for the next service if you want to take these notes thoroughly. But the first thing he tells us, the reason we are to gird up the loins of our mind, the reason we're to live this way and to be holy, number one, is because there will be a revelation of Jesus Christ. He is coming. Jesus Christ is coming back one day. It is a sure deal, and it changes everything about the way we live our lives with the hope of his return, the blessed assurance of his arrival. How many of you guys believe that's true? We just celebrated Christmas two days ago, which was the prediction fulfilled of his first coming. Okay, There are hundreds of prophecies about the first coming of the Messiah, and there are three or four or five times as many prophecies about his second coming. He's going to return. And so that reality should change and impact the way that we live our lives now. Let me use an illustration that maybe will make this softer and more pleasant for you. When a couple is engaged to be married, they're not yet married. They're not to enjoy the benefits of marriage yet. 
They're not to live together. They're not to sleep together. There is an anticipation of the betrothal and the engagement. They're engaged. And there's a countdown and a date and there's a plan, all these things, but it hasn't yet happened yet. Listen, that couple chooses to live in light of the future promises that they've exchanged for each other. They're hopeful. They're excited. They've got an engagement ring on, a honeymoon plan. Did you know that we're engaged right now? We don't yet have the full benefits. We're not yet there. We're still in that waiting time. And yet most engaged couples, young, dumb, and in love, have googly eyes, stars in their eyes. I remember when Crystal and I were engaged. We'd go out to lunch just about every day. She worked at a spine center and I worked at the church and we'd go to lunch and, and we would be that couple that would sit not face to face at the booth, but you know, shoulder to shoulder on the same thing. And I remember at El Tapatio one time, this waitress looked at us like we were weirdos. Like, are you guys sitting here because more people are showing up? You know, like, no, we're just in love. And she's like, oh, that'll wear off, you know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Did you know that the Lord's coming back? I just want to, we're such selfish people that if the Lord doesn't return by two o'clock today, I'm going to give myself a little bit of allowance and do some weird stuff. You would never say it that way. If the Lord's not back by Friday, Friday at five, all my friends are going out Friday at five. There's nothing I can do about it. It's just what we're doing. He has till Friday at five to come back. Otherwise, I'm going to go carnal. Can you imagine if you did that in your engagement process? I know we're getting married this summer, but I'm just going to go get a little crazy first. What? Oh, you didn't go crazy. You talk on the phone for hours. You text, you message for hours with this. How how often do you talk with your king? He's coming back. How, How offensive and how disappointing would it be if you told your engaged to be married to spouse, I'll see you on our wedding day. Until then, I'm busy. What? What? Guys, the grace that is to be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The second thing, the first one is the glory of God. Okay, if you're writing this, this stuff down, why should you stay engaged? Why should you gird up the loins of your mind? Why should you be excited? Why should you be intense? Why should you be repenting daily? Why should you be growing? Why should you be running hard? Why should you be ready to fight? Because Jesus is coming back. We just celebrated his first arrival. It's going to happen. The glory of God, that's the first one. The second reason is the holiness of God. Look at verse 14. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy. Because the reason why we should gird up the loins of our mind and be holy is because Jesus is holy. This is a command. We're going to talk about that in the next, the next reason why we do what we do is because of the word of God. He says it's written, but the second reason is just the holiness of God. He says, as obedient children, and if you're a child of God, did you know that as kids, you naturally inherit the attributes of your parents? Have you seen this before? Have you just seen the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you breathe, the way you respond? Is it just like your mom or dad? Have you guys seen this before? Have you seen this? Okay. My mom and dad are sitting right here and I see myself in them all the time. And my kids are in the back there. I got three kids and they, they resemble me and, and, and my wife. It's just, it's amazing. And God says, hey, by the way, I'm holy and you're my kids. So get with the program. Be holy for I am holy. Not every attribute that Crystal and I passed on to our kids or Joe and I passed on, not every attribute is, is awesome, right? We realize like, man, I wish it wasn't like my dad. You know, I wish it wasn't like my mom. We say sometimes. Can you imagine if you tried on purpose to be the opposite of your heavenly father? Let's just spin it positively. God is holy, and because you're his kids, you are destined for holiness as well. This is a gift. Don't resist it any longer. Yeah, but I was born this way. I'm left-handed. I'm Irish. I'm redheaded. I got all these problems. I was dropped on my head when I was a kid. What's your excuse for your unholiness? I'm an excuse. Well, I'm not as bad as that guy. (laughs) That guy's not the standard. You know what I'm saying? You can pick that guy in any group of people and be better than him. It's not hard. This is why we love the news and we love Facebook because we can see everybody else's life exploding around us and we feel better about ourselves. Just love watching the news, love watching people's lives fall apart because then I just immediately feel better about myself. And the Lord says, hey, let's go read the word. 
How do you feel about the word? Exposed. Convicted. I'm in trouble. Yes. Be holy for I am holy. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust. Some of your Bibles say the former passions. Let me just make this quick observation. When I was not concerned about my standing before the Lord and only my standing before the world, I had lusts and passions that I would conform to and I would go to great lengths with creativity and sacrifice to accomplish wanton activities and deeds. Now I'm saved. And the Lord challenges me and says, Luke, I saw what you did when you worked for the devil. You were pretty good at it. Now you work for me. Would you be holy with that same energy and same passion? What if this is 2021 for you? What if you just did it? What's your excuse? Well, I'm just waiting. I I think that this is finally, this carnality, this thing, I'm thinking it's finally gonna make me happy. It hasn't for 42 years, but I'm gonna get 2021 might be my, my turning point. What? Be holy. Now, you're not going to be perfect. Only Christ is perfect. That word holy literally means, instead of H-O-L-Y, it literally means W-H-O-L-L-Y or H-W-H-O-L-E, whole. When you live a holy life, you're a whole person. When you live a sinful life, you've experienced this. When you live a sinful life, you're only a partial person, shredded, tore up. You ever been shredded and tore up from the floor up? Your soul just destroyed through unholy, crazy living? So when the Bible says, hey, be holy for I am holy, it's not like, oh, man, we're doing that? Oh, dang. (laughs) The Lord's inviting you to wholeness. You want to be impactful in your family? You want to live righteously? You want to live with this blessed hope? Noah did this. Remember Noah, he was given an objective and a directive. Build an ark because I'm going to flood the world. How many years went by? 10, 20, 30, a bunch, 100. And he stayed the course. Holy literally means not just whole, but it means different or set apart. You're different than you used to be, Christian. And you're also, listen, this is where the wheels get weird. You're also different than the world is currently. So many Christians right now are trying to fit in, trying to be cool, be relevant. No, you're holy. You're not the way you were, praise God. And you're not the way this world is. Figure it out. Matter of fact, there's some young people here this morning that your biggest desire is just to be accepted. Your biggest desire is to be loved, to be just to be not looked at as different, okay? <clears throat> Gird up the loins of your mind. The world is going against God faster and faster. First reason we gird up our minds is because the glory of God, it's coming, the holiness of God, it's our heritage. Verse 16, because it is written, be holy for I am written. The third reason is because of the word of God. Because this isn't just Peter's opinion. It's not just my opinion. I love preaching the word of God. It's so fun. Because if you get mad at anything I say out of the word of God, it's between you and God, not me. That's not my problem. Take it up with the author. God said it. I believe it that. That settles it. Did you know that Jesus used the word of God to defend himself when Satan tried to tempt him? Matthew chapter four, he was tempted 40 days in the wilderness. The word of God. The psalmist says of the word of God that it's a light and a lamp. It directs our path. It decides what's right and wrong. The psalmist says that the man or woman of God who meditates in the word will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that's not gonna be barren in any season. It's gonna be ready to rumble, girded up. The word of God. We're a word church. This is what we do. We study the word of God. We're a Calvary chapel. We study the word of God. We let the word of God study us. We don't just want to know applications and illustrations and facts about Nehemiah and Bildad the Shuhite. We study God's word because we want to know the word of God. And we want to know the God of the word. Three reasons so far. Glory of God the holiness of God and the word of God. Check this out. He continues, verse 17. And if you call on the father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Stop right there. Eyes up here. Write this down. The fourth reason that we want to gird up the loins of our mind is because of the judgment of God. 
Let me make sure you understand this. Most of you do. Your past sins and your future sins, rebellious acts against God, have been paid for already by Jesus Christ. He has been judged on the cross for you. The wrath of God was absorbed for your sin and my sin, past, present, and future. You who are Christians will not face the white throne judgment seat of God, but you will face the judgment seat of Christ. If you're a Christian, you will sit before the Father and before the Son, before the Holy Spirit, before all the host of heaven, and you will go through the judgment seat of Christ. The intention of the judgment seat of Christ is a family reward celebration where the family gets together. says, all right, come on, this is going to be so good. We're going to look at everything you did after I saved you. We're going to look at your life. The books are going to be open and the rewards are going to be handed out. You're going to be judged. The idea is I'm looking hard for anything good to reward you over. It's almost like that participation trophy we all get now in 2020. Oh, you were on the losing team? Here's a trophy the same as the winning team. Woohoo! You know, it's going to be like that in heaven. You're all going to get rewards. I'm going to read this to you so you see it again. Verse 17, and if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout your time of stay here in fear. This is so enduring to me. This is so kind. Jesus paid for my sins. I'm going to heaven now. But he looks at me and says, hey, go do stuff. Hey, Luke, die doing stuff. Don't stop doing stuff till you die. Show up to heaven on empty. Whoa, you know, I'd rather burn out from doing too much than rust out from abstaining from service to my king. Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, let your light shine before men that they see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Do good stuff. Don't ever quit. Get creative. Try and be generous. Why? Because you're going to get rewarded in heaven. There's going to be good on earth. Reminds me when I used to coach soccer. Soccer used to be a thing before COVID. I used to coach soccer and I coached all my kids through U4 soccer. And when you're four years old, you only have like 30% of a brain. Okay? You don't even know what's going on. And trying to get these kids to kick the ball and they won't do nothing. I remember multiple seasons I had athletes and players on my team. They didn't want anything to do with the sport. They would stand there the whole time like this. And because I was a good coach and the parents are looking at me like, what are you doing? Play my kid. My kid's an all-star. They just don't know it yet. You know, I get, okay, I'm going to play here. And I had to play these kids. And this one particular girl, she was out there and she would just stand still the whole entire game, ball flying by, kick the ball, kick the ball. I'm like, come on. And, yeah, and so I remember this one particular girl, I was like, hey, hold my hand. That's, let me hold, hold your hand. And what we're going to do, I said, we're going to do, we're just going to chase the ball. Because it's the first step. You've got to chase that ball. If you kick it, man, who cares? I don't even care. Just ch- and, and whenever, if I, if, I, if I let go of her hand, she'd stop. But if I was holding her hand, a big smile would come onto her face. And we would chase the ball together. And it was just, man, I got so much steps in that day in my cardio. And I'm, team's losing, but it doesn't matter because I'm chasing the ball. And, and I look at Peter here who's saying, hey, hey, hey. Live with fear and respect in your time. I'm going to read it again. Verse 17. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear or respect or sobriety or purpose or engagement or girding up the loins of your mind. Stay in the game. This is what a coach does. Hey, you're still here, right? Go do it. Go do more stuff. Don't stop. Don't ever stop. But it didn't work last time. I shot for the goal and I missed. Shoot again. In heaven, the books are going to be opened and it's going to be worth it. He says something interesting in verse 17. He says, throughout the time of your stay here in fear, in my margin, it says sojourning, dwelling as residents or aliens. Did you know that when you're on vacation, one of the ideas there is I don't live here, so I'm just going to stay here as long as I can, as long as I need to. And while I'm here, I'm going to do as much as I can. You ever been to Disneyland before? When you're Disneyland, man, you ride as many rides as you can. You navigate, you hustle, you walk, you don't take breaks. You can eat your nachos while you're walking, man. You're getting to the next ride. Because you know you got to go home. You can't stay there. Conduct your time here as sojourners with fear. Literally, with respect and understanding. Because I gave you a positive illustration about Noah. When Noah was given an objective and a directive and a command, he did it, knowing that it was going to happen. He had that by faith, build the ark and be ready. And God blessed him, not just him, but his family, his wife, his three kids, his daughter-in-laws, the whole world. Noah could have been like, I don't know. I don't know. Seems hard. Seems tough. Seems weird. Fast forward a few years. 
Abraham and Lot, both given promises by God. They're relatives. Abraham is a sojourner, a pilgrim, walking through, waiting to receive a kingdom. Lot sees Sodom and Gomorrah and says, you know what? I'd like to post up here. Abraham stays on the outside. He's like, I'm not going to get too comfy. I'm just not going to get too comfy. I'm going to stay out here in a tent. As a matter of fact, if you go to Israel today, they have a place called Abraham's tent where they have this exposed area where you can see where Abraham actually lived and he went to and fro in the wilderness. Lot, on the other hand, said, I'm just going to settle in while I'm here. And Lot did not live with fear in the time of his sojourning as an alien or a pilgrim. He lost it all. And one day, Guys, the glory of God, the holiness of God, the word of God, the judgment of God. We're only going to go through five today. The fifth one is the love of God. Look at verse 18. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these times for you who through him believe in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Stop right there, eyes up here. Because we're just gonna end on this thought. It's the love of God, maybe the most important. The love of God compels you. God's holy, so be holy. The word says it, I believe it. That settles it, get in the game. There's going to be a judgment. Don't blow it. Stay focused. You don't want to waste your time here. But in the end, Peter says, you know what? Knowing. Why should you gird up the ones of your mind? Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold. From your aimless conduct. Aimless conduct of the traditions of your father. What he's literally speaking of is the way that we fulfilled the law as Jews and as pagans is in a way that is It's aimless. There is no real way that we can accomplish it. But we have been redeemed. How? By the precious blood of the Lamb of God. This is why it's imperative that we take communion. Because of COVID, we've transitioned to taking communion on the very first Sunday of the month, which is next week. Because when you take communion, you know what you're reminded of? Two things. You're reminded of Jesus and his sacrifice for you. But you're also reminded of your need of forgiveness and salvation. If you have forgotten where you came from, chances are you've not girded up your mind. You've relaxed. If you have forgotten where you came from, what Christ did for you, if you don't remember, do this often in remembrance of me. Why? Why should we do that? Because if you don't, you're going to get weird. You weren't redeemed with corruptible things. You were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Because here's the reality. This is all information. What you do with it in your mind will determine what the Holy Spirit is allowed to do with it in your heart. You can't change your heart, but you can change your mind. And if you change your mind, and receive God's word in your mind, he will come into your heart and change your life. These motivate, these, these five reasons, Jesus is coming, don't blow it. He's holy. I mean, if you're just quick to think, he, be holy for I am holy, impossible, next. Anybody read it that fast? Can't happen, next. <laughs> really? You'll... Be whole. Well, I need some confirmation. It's in the word. Don't be like Lot. Be like Abraham. Be like Noah. Noah. Final thoughts. I'm going to close. The Bible says in the book of Genesis, right around chapter 6, the story of Noah. The Bible says that God chose Noah because Noah found what in the eyes of God? Anybody know? Now I got got to check. Come on, you guys. 
grace. Thank you. That's what I thought. The Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Most people read that and think that God had grace for Noah. I think that's true. But I think God would have grace for anybody that would see grace in God's eyes. When you look at the Father, Noah found grace in God's eyes. When Noah looked up, he saw a God of grace. Well, look at God. He's so full of grace. And God says, really, that's how you see me? I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you. Because you see, a lot of people don't see God as gracious. A lot of Christians don't see God as gracious. They see him as a cosmic killjoy. Yeah, God doesn't really understand. I was supposed to go to Disneyland this year, and I couldn't. Kind of angry. All my freedoms are taken away. I'm kind of mad at God. Really? When you see grace in God's eyes and live your life differently, gird up the loins of your mind. Can I encourage you? Thunder. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, now we take your word and we ask that you would let it not return void, but may it accomplish that which you set it out to do. Lord, I think of every hero of the word that we read, we study, we memorize stories. Nehemiah and his leadership, Daniel and his great exploits because he knew God. David and Moses, we see all these men and women and Deborah, Lord, and Esther and Ruth. We see these women. And here we are. Would you forgive us of our sins? Maybe I speak just of myself for being such a weasel, such a baby, so lazy compared to the glories that await me. Lord, would you motivate us? Would you make us a transformed people? Would you do a work? Let there be nothing, Lord, left unturned in our lives. Let us go and race our race knowing, Lord, that you are the author and finisher of our faith. Let us set aside so easily, Lord, those snares and weights that entangle us, offering ourselves to you as a living sacrifice. Have your mercy upon us, Lord, as this year ends and as the next year begins. Forgive us of our sins and help us, Lord, to see you high and lifted up and do everything we do for your glory and for others' good. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. God bless you guys.